The scripture reading today comes from Psalm 61, and feel free to follow along in your bulletins. Hear my cry, O God. Listen to my prayer. From the ends of the earth I call to you. I call as my heart grows faint. Lead me to the rock that is higher than I, for you have been my refuge, a strong tower against the foe. I long to dwell in your tent forever and take refuge in the shelter of your wings. For you, God, have heard my vows. You have given me the heritage of those who fear your name. Increase the days of the king's life, his years for many generations. May he be enthroned in God's presence forever. Appoint your love and faithfulness to protect him. Then I will ever sing in praise of your name and fulfill my vows day after day. Well, we have a special treat today, a guest preacher, um, Reverend Erwin Ince, uh, here to bring the Word of God to us. And I tell you, I, I have been chasing after Irwin for a long time to get him to come and preach uh, for us and for you all to get to know him and to be blessed by his gifts and his good study in God's Word. Erwin uh, is here today with his wife, Kim, and uh, his children as well. Thank you all for being here. It's a joy to share a bit of our community together with you. Erwin um, grew up in the New York area. Is it Brooklyn? Spent some time here in D.C. and actually uh, came to know Jesus uh, while here in the district uh, some years ago um, at a church, I believe in the Shaw neighborhood, not too far away from here. Presently, he and his family live in Columbia, Maryland, where Irwin pastors City of Hope Church. And I have just grown to love this brother, um, his vision, his passion for Jesus, uh, his uh, thoughtfulness in ministry, and have personally been blessed by our times of fellowship and conversation and just bantering and and uh, figuring out life and ministry together. So, brother, why don't you come on up here and uh, welcome to the crazy mess that is Grace Meridian Hill. And thank you so much for taking time to be here. But let me pray, and let's pray together for our brother. Uh, Lord Jesus, we thank you uh, for your good news, the story of grace that you've given to us. And we thank you that you have and you are changing our lives. And we thank you for your testimony, your story of grace in Irwin's life, the way that you have called him, loved him, um, and continue to use him for your namesake. And we pray our blessing upon him now as he preaches from this text, and we pray that your word would come alive. And we pray that you would give us attentive ears and hearts, open hearts. God, we know there is so much within us that tends to resist you by nature. And so we're praying that you would overcome our nature and that you would change our hearts. Uh, So please be present and bless this time for our good and for your glory, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's welcome our brother together. Thank you. Thank you, Duke. Hold on, let me, there we go. Good afternoon, Grace Meridian Hill. Okay, you can say good afternoon to me too, it's all right. 
Good to be here with you. And my brother Duke is right. He'd been chasing after me for a long time. And, you know, in God's, uh, God's funny providence, it was, you know, I don't know how many months ago we said, all right, let's get a date on the calendar. And I said, okay, okay, August 25th. And, you know, lo and behold, there's a new baby and all of that. And so uh gives him the opportunity to... Uh, to uh, to not have to worry about sermon preparation while he's taking care of his his newborn uh, Jeremiah, which is a good name because not only is the name of the prophet but the name of uh, our youngest son Jeremiah. Uh, so it's uh, it is a joy to be here with you. Of course, um, as he mentioned, I am the pastor of City of Hope Church. A church uh, in the same denomination, the PCA, up in Columbia that uh, we began in uh, 2007, and um, it is a particular joy as I look out here in this congregation and see all kinds of hues and uh, and colors and shapes and the, and the like, because that is my heartbeat, and it's the heartbeat of our church that... Uh, that we would see in uh, the local church, the nations coming together uh, to uh, to live this life of faith in Jesus Christ. You know, um, we talk about a lot about uh, uh, often uh, uh, sin and uh, this topic of uh, sanctification, growing in holiness uh, in the Christian life. And, you know, uh, we don't often talk about the fact that, you know, yeah, I don't, like, I don't want to, I know when I go to heaven, there's no more sin, right? It's, it's all done away with, right? But I'm not trying to wait till I get to heaven to deal with my sin. Well, when I look at the end of the book, I see all of the nations gathered around the throne, worshiping the Lamb, saying, worthy are you. To receive glory and honor and majesty and power. Why? Because you ransom men and women, boys and girls from every tribe and every tongue and every language, every nation to be a kingdom of priests before our God. Why are we waiting till then to pursue that? And so it gives my heart joy to see you all uh, pursuing that. And that's what we are pursuing uh, about 45 minutes up north of 95 in Columbia, Maryland. And so I want to share a message with you this morning uh, from that text that was read into your hearing, the 61st Psalm. It's a psalm that, um, that like many of the psalms do, moves from lamentation uh, to praise, and uh, and that has, often happens in our lives. Uh, we sing songs of lamentation, but uh, but by God's grace, we are moved to praise Him even through that. And so, I want to talk to you on this title of of my sermon: "Long Live the King." Long live the King. And I do this every week with City of Hope, and so I'm going to do it with you. I have a theme for the message. Uh, something that I want us to just grab hold of. If you don't remember anything else I say, uh, remember this. That Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ, the King who was delivered from his distress, he lives forever to lead us in the praise of God's name through our distress. That Jesus Christ, the King who was delivered from his distress, lives forever to lead us in the praise of God's name through our distress. 
I know we've prayed already, but would you pray again with me? Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for this word that is not dead, but is living and active and sharper than any double-edged sword that pierces to the division of soul and spirit of joints and marrow and judges the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. And our confession this afternoon, Lord, is that our hearts are open books before you. We might try to hide from others what is going on in our in the depths of our being, but we cannot hide it from you. You see precisely what's going on and you know, therefore, precisely what we need. And so, Lord God, I pray that you would speak now to us from your word, that you would penetrate deeply into our souls, that you would change us. If we need to be encouraged, Lord God, give us encouragement. If we need to be corrected, Lord God, be merciful and correct us. If we need, Lord God, just to grow in grace, Lord God, bless us even this hour to grow in grace as we submit ourselves to your word. And we'll be careful to give you all glory and adoration and honor and praise in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen and amen. When I was, uh, when I was growing up, uh, all the way up until uh, my first year of college, when it got to be uh, too expensive, I collected comic books. And so uh, I've been happy in the past years as all of the comic book heroes of my youth have come and made it to the big screen and not in a cheesy way like it used to be, like in the 70s, I'll tell you how old I am, when they would try like a Spider-Man show and, you know, he'd spin the web and you could tell like somebody was behind the camera just throwing a rope net, you know. Uh, Now, it's not cheesy, it looks real, and so I'm happy. Uh, I didn't. Uh, I didn't see uh, the 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 new Superman movie that came out this year, Man of Steel. But I did see the one a few years back that came out, uh, Superman Returns. And in that in that movie, uh, if you've seen it, you know Superman had disappeared off the scene uh, for a number of years. Uh, He left Lois Lane and all the earth to search and find his proper place in the universe. And Lois, for her part, was attempting to heal from her broken heart of Superman leaving. And because she has the power of the pen as a writer for a newspaper, she can deal with her grief in a public way. And she wrote a a piece that won her a Pulitzer Prize. And and the name of the piece was, Why the World Doesn't Need Superman. And of course, uh, Superman Returns. That's the name of the movie, right? And he realizes his proper place is on earth right here. And, uh, and of course, uh, he ends up spending some time with, uh, with Lois. And when uh, they get the opportunity to talk, what Lois does is she quotes from her essay. And, uh, and she says to him, the world doesn't need a savior. And then, for good measure and to dig, she says to him, and neither do I. Then Superman takes her on a ride, as only Superman can, way above the clouds, right? And uh, and looking down over the earth, he, he asks her this question, what do you hear? And she says, I don't hear anything. Uh, and he responds to her and says, I hear everything. 
And you get a glimpse in the movie of what it's like to have Superman's hearing. You hear the sounds of, of sirens and screams of, of violence. And then he says what, are, in my opinion, are the wor- most powerful words in the movie. He says, you wrote that the world doesn't need a savior, but every day I hear people crying out for one. The fantasy world of Superman, he was the savior, right? The the only son of his father sent to earth uh, to be a guiding light and to provide protection and show the way of peace. And of course, even though Superman, right, is is the stuff of fantasy, the issues that the story addresses, uh, uh, suffering and the desire for safety and security, those are not the stuff of fantasy. That's real life. That's why you have to love the Psalms. Stress and distress, grief and sorrow and feeling overwhelmed are actually woven into the fabric of our lives. Uh, You cannot live uh, hardly a week in this world and not experience these things. And they bring with them a sense of desperation. And the question is, how will we respond to desperate times? And I pluck this sermon title, Long Live the King, from the sixth verse of this 61st Psalm, uh, David's words. This this title is meant uh, for us to be a declaration of praise from us to God for the eternal King, Jesus Christ. And as this psalm moves from distress uh, to praise, we can find ourselves actually taking that same journey because Jesus Christ has already taken it for us. When David says in his suffering, Hear my cry, O God. Listen to my prayer. From the end of the earth, I call to you when my heart is faint. I am reminded of uh, what the Bible says of Jesus Christ in the book of Hebrews in chapter 5 and verse 7 when it says that in the days of his flesh that Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to him who was able to save him from death and he was heard because of his reverence. And David looks for shelter and finds shelter and says, Let me dwell in your tent forever. Let me take refuge under the shelter of your wings. For you, O God, have heard my vows. You have given me the heritage of those who fear your name. I am reminded again of the words of of Hebrews chapter 9 when it says that Christ appeared as a high priest of the good things that have come. And then through the greater and more perfect tent, he entered once for all into the holy places, not by means of the blood of goats and calves, but by means of his own blood, thus securing an eternal redemption. Jesus Christ is able to save to the uttermost, the Bible tells us, those who draw near to God through him because he always lives. He always lives to make intercession for them. Indeed, he leads us in praise to God through our distress And so, yes, I'm giving you the punchline already. It's all about Jesus. 
It's all about Jesus. And that might not be news for you in here, but we're not done yet. I I went through this exercise of giving you the punchline at the beginning because I don't know where you are this morning. I don't know whether you are someone who is heading into distress, whether you are currently enveloped in the midst of distress or just coming out of distress because the likelihood is we're in one of those three places. What I do know is that because the king lives forever, genuine praise of God can still be the song on your lips. And so I want to talk about three things, three things quickly. I want to talk as we work through this song about the song of lament, the song of lament. And then I want to talk about singing for shelter and security, singing for shelter and security. And then lastly, the song of praise. The song of lament. Life situation, the likely life situation that, uh, that uh, this psalm was written under uh, can be found in uh, the book of Second Samuel, chapters 13 through 20. Uh, particularly in uh, the book of Second Samuel, chapter 17. And what you find in that chapter of the Old Testament is that David is on the run again. Uh, He had been on the run before when Samuel had anointed him as king, as a young man, and the current king, King Saul, was chasing after him. But now in this particular chapter of 2 Samuel 17, he is fleeing for his life from his very own son, Absalom. God had delivered David once before from the hand of Saul and had established his throne. And at the high point of his kingdom, God had made a promise to David uh, that he would always have a son on the throne. You can find that in 2 Samuel chapter 7. And as David is writing the words of this psalm, as his, his son Absalom is on the throne, you can imagine him thinking, surely the Lord didn't mean it to take place like this. Here I am in exile in this place called Mahanaim, where, while my son sits on the throne and is trying to kill me. He's far away from the place of security. He is at the end of the earth, he says. He is under duress and the situation seems unbearable. He says that his heart is faint and this is a vivid picture of his suffering, displaced and lacking control over the situation, lacking the ability to alter his circumstances. His suffering is, if you will, a a double whammy. He is both displaced and he is helpless. And that's what's so awful about suffering, isn't it? Whether we are physically removed from the place of security or we are only uh, mentally and emotionally dislodged from the place of peace, we suffer pain and we become frightfully aware of the fact that we lack control. And this makes our hearts faint. It brings grief upon us. Last year, 
in June, I participated in a conference up uh, at Faith Christian Fellowship in Baltimore City, a church up there. And the name of this conference, uh, the title was uh, Pursuing Unity for the Sake of the Gospel. And one of the workshop speakers at that conference was a psychiatrist, Dr. Diane Langberg. And she spoke uh, on the subject of the journey of grief. And it was maybe one of the best 45-minute lectures I have ever heard. You see, David is grieving. And grief is an uh, intense emotional suffering caused by loss or misfortune or injury or evil of any kind. And Dr. Langberg said in that uh, talk, she said, grief oppresses. She said it pushes down upon a life. And the question becomes, how can you trust the one who could have prevented your grief? See, here's the one thing that you don't know when you're in the middle of it. You don't know how long it's going to last. You have no answer to the question why, and you have no answer to the question how long. But incredibly, in the middle of the grief and the suffering, David cries out to the very one who could have prevented it. Hear my cry, O God. Pay attention to my prayer. And we ask, is he naive? (laughs) No, right? He's not naive in his lamenting that he's at the end of the earth and that his heart is faint is the awareness that he needs God. He needs God to do what he cannot do himself. He prays, lead me to the rock that is higher than I. The rock is a refuge. It is a place of safety. It is a place of protection. But it is impossible for him to get there on his own. And what he leans upon is the fact that he has experienced God's deliverance and protection in the past. He says to the Lord, you have been are my refuge, a strong tower against the foe. I don't feel protected right now, Lord. I'm suffering and I don't know what the outcome of this is going to be, but I do know you, Lord. And I don't want to be flippant with you this afternoon and make it sound like this is easy. What I am not trying to do Uh, is make the journey out of distress and grief into a formula that we can dogmatically apply to our lives. It's not that simple. But what I am trying to do is highlight for us the need for lamentation and suffering. See, right, because it doesn't matter how much money you have. It doesn't matter how many degrees you have. It doesn't matter how good your plan for your life is. Every effort that we make to insulate ourselves from the undesirable things that lead to lamentation is fruitless. I mean, David was, after all, the king. You see, if if lament is never a part of our song, then something is wrong. Lamentation is not the end of the song, but it's there. Grief grief and lamentation are actually signs of life. And when we are in that place of lament, sometimes the fact that our king has sung this song already is our only lifeline. 
Knowing that the king is a refuge, knowing that he's a strong tower, having had evidence of it in the past, is a lifeline in suffering and grief. So I tell you, do not avoid the song of lamentation. The way of faith in Jesus is not trying to tough it out. You see, these words of David and so many other songs, what they do is give us freedom to lament and to bring that lamentation before God. And David then begins to pray for shelter and security to God. And that's what he's praying for when he says, lead me to the rock that's higher than I, for you've been my refuge, a strong tower against the foe. Shelter and security is what he is praying for when he says, let me dwell in your tent forever. Let me take refuge in the shelter of your wings. And what we find out is that what David is doing is not simply praying for physical shelter and security. He's not simply praying, Lord, get me out of this situation. Deliver me from these circumstances and from this condition that certainly is included. But this is a prayer for spiritual shelter and security. You see... To be at the end of the earth uh, was to be far away from home. Uh, it was to be far away from not only from uh, his, his city of Jerusalem, but from the tabernacle. That's the tent that he wants to dwell in forever. The central place of Israel's worship, he remembers the tabernacle, and and this is clearly poetic and metaphoric language. He he like he does it when he says, "Let me dwell in your tent forever." He doesn't mean he wants to like set up his house inside the tabernacle. Yes, he wants to be physically near that place, but he wants to live securely in God's presence. He wants to know that he is forever safe and secure in the presence of God in worship. To take refuge under the shelter of God's rings may be a reference actually to the Ark of the Covenant that was there in the tabernacle that, uh, that, uh, where, where the wings of the uh, cherubim on the top of the Ark, it, it overshadowed the, the mercy seat in that, in that uh, Ark of the Covenant. But, but David here isn't talking about the wings of angels. He's talking about the wings of God. This is a request for spiritual protection and safety regardless of where he is. I love what David does over and over again in the Psalms. He loves to picture the sight of mother birds protecting their young and giving them shelter and security from the elements, covering them with her wings. And he loves to use that imagery for the kind of security that he desires from God. Listen just to these few verses. In Psalm 17:8, David says, Keep me as the apple of your eye. Hide me in the shadow of your wings. He says in Psalm 36 and verse 7, How precious is your steadfast love, O God, the children of mankind. Take refuge in the shadow of your wings. Psalm 57 and verse 1, Be merciful to me, O Lord, be merciful to me, for in you my soul takes refuge. Uh, In the shadow of your wings I will take refuge till the storms of destruction pass by. Psalm 63 and 7. 
For you have been my help, he says to the Lord. And in the shadow of your wings, I will sing for joy. The distress and the disorientation that comes from loss, whatever the loss may be, whether it is a physical loss like death or something else that causes loss in our lives, it makes us feel separated from God. Uh, The feeling of having been abandoned by God can feel palpable. I don't know if you've ever been there, but but it it is a terrible thing to feel like you're separated from God. And see, if you're a Christian, you know it's not true. If you're a Christian, you know that that that's not the truth because the promise of God is I will never leave you nor forsake you. But it doesn't necessarily mean that we feel that way. David here is praying for intimacy with God. Let me dwell in your tent forever. Let me take refuge in the shelter of your wings. Let me grow closer and closer to you, Lord. Let me know your presence. See, what the word of God makes clear is that knowing God, knowing God is not simply a matter of giving some mental assent to some theological or doctrinal proposition about God. The people of God want intimacy with God. That is indeed the Christian life. We desire it. We are desperate for it. We know when we don't feel it, and it grieves us not to feel that kind of intimacy. We ask, do do you hunger for it? Do you hunger for the presence and assurance of God himself? You might know the promise of his presence, but do you hunger for it? He's the one who satisfies the longing soul. He's the one who fills the hungry soul with good things. And I love this in the psalm because, see, there's likely a change of, uh, in David's situation between verses 4 and 5. He, he starts to move to a song of praise. We have uh, this musical term at the end of verse uh, 4, uh, Selah. And this helps to divide the psalm. But more than that, we hear David say in verse 5, For you, O God, have heard my vows. You have given me the heritage of those who fear your name. One commentator says this, About this verse, he says in verse 1, David asked God to hear and listen. Now he knows God has done so, so he laid hold of the promise God had given him. That is the heritage of those who fear your name, meaning the land and people God had entrusted to David in his covenant with him. In other words, God had heard his prayer. He had responded to his vow. David returns to Jerusalem and is reestablished as king. And so a shift is taking place. That lamentation is transitioning into a song of praise. The distress and the suffering, the feeling of abandonment and desire for security and safety are now the song of praise. David says, prolong the life of the king. May his years endure to all generations. May he be enthroned forever before God. Appoint steadfast love and faithfulness to watch over him. So will I ever sing praises to your name as I make my vows day after day. What David is doing is praying for the generations that follow him. 
He has, in a way, received a new lease on life. God has spared him. And so he prays for the continuation of his dynasty. Lord, prolong my reign for generations. David is praying, keep my lineage from enduring the abandonment that I've known. Enthrone them forever before your presence, O God. Guard them with steadfast love and, and faithfulness. And I wonder if David knew the implications of what he was praying. I don't know if he did, but the Holy Spirit knew. The Holy Spirit knew and put these words in David's mouth, knowing that there would indeed be a king from the lineage of David who would live forever before God. There would indeed be a king who comes, whose years would endure to all generations, who would be guarded by steadfast love and the faithfulness of God himself. And that king who lives forever, of course, is Jesus Christ. He endured the crucible of being abandoned by God like no one else had ever been abandoned. No one else could endure what he endured, yet now he sits enthroned at the right hand of the majesty on high, and his people don't have to pray, may the king live forever. We pray, long live the king. Because he sits enthroned, he is our rock. He's the rock of ages, the song says, cleft for us. He is, he's the tent in whom we dwell forever. He is our refuge. He's our shelter in the time of storm. It is under His wings that we find safety and security. No one sings praises to God like He does. So He leads us through this song of praise, through lamentation and distress. Pastor James Montgomery Boyce, who pastored historic 10th Presbyterian Church in Philadelphia until his death, said this about this psalm, the end of this psalm particularly. He says, sometimes we need to feel like we're at the ends of the earth before we can discover how wonderful Jesus is. Sometimes we need to feel like we're at the end of the earth before we can discover how wonderful Jesus is. See, Superman was right. The world does indeed cry out for a Savior. And God has provided one in Jesus Christ. And through faith in Him, through faith in Him, we know beyond the shadow of any doubt that God hears our cry and that God attends to our prayer and that God provides us the shelter and the security of His presence through every distress. The final song is a song of praise. Even as this very psalm moves from lamentation to praise, so most assuredly do our lives. And this is the truth because Jesus' life has moved from lamentation to praise for us. Amen? Amen. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, we don't like the reality that we have to endure grief and distress. We don't like the fact that lamentation has to be often a a song on our lips. We thank you that you are indeed our refuge, our shelter in the time of storm, our rock, the one in whom we can come under the shadow 
of your wings as you lead us in praise through our distress. Bless us, Lord God, to be encouraged by that word, to grow in faith and grow in grace, to the praise of your name. Amen and amen.